From bloated and tired to free and inspired, welcome to Free and Inspired Radio with Philip Watkins, your weekly dose of everything digestion and mental health related. We hope you enjoy this episode. Here is your host, Philip Watkins. Yes, yes. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Free and Inspired Radio. I'm your host, a naturopathic practitioner, Philip Watkins, and I'm grateful to have you with us today. If you're new to the show, well, the title says it all. It's all about feeling free and inspired and exploring the many different avenues you can take to get there, whether it's deep dives on digestion and mental health solutions or guests who offer their own stories and answers. I hope I can be the type of guide you can rely on to unlock the agency you have to reach your own mental and physical competency. Let's get started with what's coming up on today's episode. Coming up on this week's show. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to episode of episode episode 15 of Free and Inspire Radio. I'm Philip Watkins. In this episode, we are looking at stress management. Whoa, this is a tough one. I hear the following from patients so often. Every time I read an article, I see a health practitioner, everyone tells me to manage my stress and it's affecting my as it's affecting my health. And honestly, I don't even know where to start or what managing my stress even means. In this episode, I will attempt to deconstruct stress a little bit for you and offer better questions to build awareness of how it might affect you and what the science says about the whole thing. Now, I've been making a sincere effort to reduce referring to stress when talking with patients. Why? Well, you might think it's kind of obvious when you're a couple of minutes into your next doom-scrolling session on Twitter. But as soon as I enter into a discussion with patients, I just start to feel as if it's a a mute point. Here's how often the conversation goes. So I say, hey, tell me or talk to me about your stress levels. Well, I've been homeschooling my children for what seems like an eternity. I'm unsure as to whether or not I'm going to pick up a life-changing viral infection just by doing the shopping, and the news is telling me that no one knows when it might end. Now, the crazy thing about the reply is actually that it was kind of close to an answer that I heard in the clinic not, not long ago, and it certainly puts this episode into context a little more, doesn't it? Because being told to stress less seems like the most impractical piece of information or advice we could all receive at the beginning of 2022, especially if you're living in Hong Kong, where at the time of the recording this today, our cases are soaring with the Omicron variant. Sure, we can all experience stress from circumstances beyond our control, but what's happened over the last few years now places us in somewhat of a unique situation in that we have things outside of our control and things within our own internal worlds that may be stressing us out as well. Just to kind of contextualize what's going on outside of that internal world, during the COVID outbreak in Hong Kong, even without lockdowns, stress levels in 1,500 respondents randomly interviewed increased by almost 30% compared to 2016 and 2017 levels, and prevalence of anxiety increased by over 40%. Depression and unhappiness symptoms are compared to the same parameters, but it's not just Hong Kong, is it? Globally, small-scale studies are now slowly coming out to give us more insights into increases into loneliness scores and depressive symptoms worldwide, That's especially in our young people and students as well. Now, the needed healing from a global pandemic aside, 
how can we better understand stress management? So begin simply, stress by definition occurs when the balance or stasis of the body is affected by something either internal or external. The more comprehensive definition of that or more comprehensive definition of stress is that stress constitutes a state of threatened homeostasis or disharmony triggered by intrinsic or extrinsic adverse forces or stresses and is counteracted by an intricate variety of physical and behavioral responses to establish the optimal balance referred to as eustasis. Now, an important point you can draw immediately from these definitions of stress is that it's not about the absence of stress in general. That's actually not good for you either. It's more about having a harmony within these states. Now, your body systems are programmed over the course of evolution to maintain a very particular state. And this state of balance puts your body into optimal conditions for life and a sense of well-being. Now, when you encounter a stressor, that challenges this homeostasis or optimized state, multiple body systems react and respond to the stressor to adapt to the threat and regain harmony. This adaptation occurs in multiple ways. You might be able to feel as they happen. The behavioral portions include enhanced arousal, alertness, vigilance, cognition, focused attention, and tolerance to pain. Partly actually sounds like anxiety, doesn't it? But I digress. The more physical adaptations to the stressor are best described as a redirection of energy and body resources. And I think this is quite important when we're trying to assess how stress affects our health. Now, increases in cardiovascular and respiratory activity, think you know, breathing in your heart, pumping blood faster around the body, are paid for by increasing the metabolic processes that release fat and sugar into the bloodstream to be utilized where they're needed. This redirection also occurs with things like nutrients, such as vitamins and minerals, and all important oxygen, mainly being sent to the central nervous system. So the body is starting to redirect resources, very, very important resources, mind you, and finite resources that you get from your diet, for example, into other areas to manage this stress response. Further to these metabolic changes, the body also moves to suppress any energy-sapping processes that draw energy into places that aren't needed to maintain the adaptive response acutely. These functions include digestion, immunity, reproduction, and growth, and that's mainly in children. Let me say that again. The body suppresses functions, including digestion, immunity, reproduction, and growth when under-stressed as they are considered too energy-intensive. So now wonder how much of a chance the sandwich that you're eating during that meeting has of being digested effectively when you're trying to give a presentation at the same time. So you can begin to imagine that this adaptive response should be temporary. And look, it's important for our survival, right? If we're you know, faced with a threat, we act upon that threat, the threat goes away, our survival is assured, and we're you know, feeling better. But things go awry if this adaptive response is maintained for too long. And as per usual, within these initial episodes, we'll be exploring the more profound physical, hormonal, and mental changes with stress in more detail within future episodes. And in fact, the very last episode that we did around leaky gut 
kind of is a good example of how these these senses of threat or sensations of threat can affect other body systems and you know suppressing the digestion and the hydrochloric acid through neuropeptide secretion is a good example of that um but once again, I get distracted. So for now, I just wanted to introduce some of these physical and behavioral changes so that I can build into some of the questions that I like to ask my patients about stress and questions that you can ask yourself in order to start to bring stress management into the reality of or you know, into a more practical state. But before we get into these questions, let's take a break on free and inspired radio and we'll be back with more after this. to take a break. Are you enjoying this episode of Free and Inspired Radio? There's no better time to take back your personal health sovereignty. If you want to connect with more Free and Inspired episodes, simply subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or visit the website at www.philipwatkins.health for more information. Let's get back to the show. to episode 15 of free and inspired radio i hope you're enjoying the show so far and in this episode we've been discussing what the hell stress management is and just where do you start in part one of the show we looked at how stress can affect you just to preface some of the questions that you can ask yourself to build some awareness around where to start reducing your body's experience of stress and this is exactly what we're going to be delving into in part two of the show is this experience of stress in your body and this is where the first question I ask my patients begins and it can be the one that you start with as well so I think one of the the best questions you can ask yourself to begin to explore how to better manage your stress is how do you feel stress in your body this question is easy to ask if you're one of those people I'm referring to in the in the title of this episode in that you know that stress is important to manage but you just don't quite know where to start. A lot of the time it's either I should go to a yoga class or I should go and do meditation and, and that's great. Look, I'm not going to you know, uh, advise you not to do that but I think in this actually connecting with how stress is felt within your body or whether or not you can actually feel it at all is a really nice place to start now i've often commented that people living in fast-moving cities such as hong kong london or new york have a peculiar talent at disassociating physically from constant chronic stress i suppose it can be better defined as a tolerance there's a very fast-moving work you know situations and fast-moving cities in general but as that tolerance becomes stronger and stronger when the time comes to reconnect with the body, post was often a temporary cessation of stress or it can be hard to know what not being feeling stress actually feels like. And once again, we refer back to the fact that we're potentially coming to the end of a global pandemic. So how do we deal with the, you know, the aftermath of, of certainty and uncertainty and these things? Connecting with your body is the first step in understanding how stress is affecting you in the first place and helping you to build from a more solid baseline. Now, let's revisit some of the features of the body's reaction to stress that we talked about in part one of the show. So you've got increased vigilance, cognition, focused attention, 
and alertness along with the physical adaptations, high respiratory and heart rates, and I'll add sugar cravings and digestive immune suppression. Now, some of these things may not necessarily appear obvious until you can't seem to shake an infection or food starts to have an unaffected effect, unexpected effect on your digestion. In fact, these adaptations, if they continue for too long, your blood pressure, for example, can increase and affect the structural integrity of your heart, which is kind of crazy. But look, let's use blood pressure or hypertension as an example of how to connect stress with some of these physical symptoms. So now that you know that stress increases blood pressure over time, do you perhaps feel stress in your body via headaches, dizziness, hot flushes, irritability, chest tightness, blurred vision, palpitations, and an aching lower back? Well, these symptoms, while seemingly unrelated, are all commonly reported symptoms associated with hypertension or high blood pressure. Now, if you're then able to understand that these symptoms are a representation of your stress levels getting too high, this is where you start because you're then getting sensory and physical cues towards actually needing to take action at the time as opposed to this, I guess, uh, ambiguous sense of needing to do something but not necessarily knowing when to execute and how. Now, sometimes the way stress presents in the body might not be as obvious and I'd like to use a, an interesting example of this, which is called leisure illness. Now, this condition is a strange concept to some, but I've encountered and treated it so often. And it's actually a really interesting measure of someone's adaptive immune system, but also um, their immune system and the way it relates back to their brain. Leisure illness refers to symptoms that develop when going from work to non-work. So this development usually happens when taking a holiday or at the end of a big project. Symptoms are often very similar to viral infections like colds and flus, including other symptoms like headaches, migraines, fatigue, muscle pain, and nausea. And it seems interestingly that out of the cases studied that most people have been experiencing this kind of condition for almost 10 years on average. Can you imagine just looking forward to a holiday but secretly knowing that you're going to get sick every time for almost a decade? Anyway, a Dutch pilot study found this to be especially common. Now, the, the most part, interesting part for me out of this study was the personality traits connected with leather, leisure illness. Risk factors for leisure illness connected the inability to adapt to non-working situations, a high need for achievement, and a heightened state of responsibility when working. Now, the good news as a side note is that I've treated leisure illness successfully with herbal medicine leading up to the trip and during the journey very, very often. Just want to ask one of my longest standing patients who was actually referred to me 10 years ago because her husband couldn't work out why she would get sick every time they went on vacation. But let's go back to this risk factors for leisure illness. So getting sick when you get on holiday connected the inability to adapt to non-working situations a high need for achievement and a heightened sense of responsibility when working. Now, this insight is goes into how our personality can affect things and it perfectly leads into one of the next questions about acting on stress management. Now, the next question, so we had our first question is how do you experience stress in your body? The second question is are there characteristics of your personality that make you more prone to experiencing stress? 
This question in the clinic can be a little broad and I'll be honest, it's better asked by a qualified psychotherapist or counsellor. But if it's a little bit early for that for you, let's stick with exploring the connection between your personality and how you experience stress and look at some examples of, of how that can influence things. Circumstantial events such as loss, humiliation, entrapment and danger are significant sources of stress for people and predispose you to develop mental health issues down the track. For the sake of this article, it's less about what's happened to you and more about how certain personality traits can develop or affect your, I guess, your daily interactions and the way you feel on a daily basis. So, for example, uh, higher levels of neuroticism, a disposition towards feeling negative effects, emotionality and reactivity correlate with poor interpersonal relationships and event proneness, which is more around the... Uh, predisposition towards experiencing events or maybe drama if you like remember that correlation doesn't equal causation and this may make you know uh, what i would say though excuse me is that this may make interactions with those around you a little more stressful now the good news is the qualified a qualified mental health practitioner can deconstruct these personality traits for you over time but sometimes it just requires a little courage to give it a try if you're new to asking these types of questions about your personality. As a side note, and this won't be included in the transcript, I, I, I've i referred many people to counsellors, and I think I may have mentioned this on the show before, but I don't know anyone who's had a positive experience with a counsellor in the sense that they've met someone that they get along with and they feel like they can speak freely with. I've never met someone who's come back and said, uh, that was a, a negative or you know non-fulfilling experience, so to speak. Most people actually say they wish they'd done it years before because they often find that some of these personality traits are very much obstacles to them really flourishing. So once again, I won't include that in the transcript, but that's why you listen to the podcast, isn't it? Now, building on this further, though, studies have shown specific personality characteristics to actually protect us from, from stress. So the characteristics include but aren't limited to self-esteem, optimism, and an ability to find meaning. Now, you may often hear a very famous book called Man's Search for Meaning, which is fairly intense, but very much personifies this meaning and how important it is to adapt to the long-term stress. But there's another study that shows how protective meaning can be to the long-term effects of stress. Now, this example is a little intense, and it refers to torture. So look, please see this as a trigger warning if you do feel as if torture and references to torture are a trigger for you simply pause the episode now in the case of this study it was where horrific torture in turkey had occurred and it was actually looking into the development of ptsd in 1994 a study found that left-wing activists who were tortured by turkey's military regime had lower rates of ptsd than non-activists who were detained and tortured by police suggesting that the purpose behind the activism was uh, enough for the uh, left-wing activists who were being tortured to not develop PTSD or have diminished amounts of it, so to speak. Look, that's an extreme example, let's be honest. But if you've experienced this traumatic type of traumatic experience at all, 
hope you've had you've got the measures and the resources at hand to heal if necessary and if not if you want to contact the show uh, we can help you find someone who can help if you feel ready to do so i think this has kind of illustrated my point there are broader ways of managing your stress than signing up to your local meditation class don't get me wrong meditation is very beneficial definitely not devaluing that but sometimes encountering in elements of your personality with a sense of curiosity often for the first time with a little bit of courage maybe what managing stress actually is for you it may not be that deep maybe you just notice that your digestion gets a little vulnerable as with our example about blood pressure or you find it hard to focus for a long time But once you accurately identify how stress affects your body, you can then measure whether or not any of the things that you're trying, so exercise, yoga, meditation, or whatever that is for you, even herbal medicine, you can then measure whether or not any of these things you're trying are working via a more kind of quantitative physical sensory feedback within your body. As always, this is just the beginning. There are many ways we can enlist our sovereignty to control our reactions and responses to our day and manage what for some is just a high level of engagement in a favorable situation. You know, stress doesn't have to be negative, right? You can just be enjoying what you're doing, following your passion, so to speak, but then you just you know, do it for 16 hours a day. That still does have an effect on your body. So this is where you know, managing stress can be so ambiguous for a lot of people. So what do you think? We're dealing with a pretty nuanced subject here, aren't we? But more than anything, I hope this episode has at least begun to help you think differently about where to start if you're one of those people that just hears all everywhere from everyone that stress is important to manage your health, but you just don't know where to begin. Before we finish this episode of Free and Inspired Radio, if you'd love to hear more from me and get the word on new articles, podcast episodes, and more, jump over the website philipwatkins.health and join our community via the newsletter sign up on the homepage. If you've tried to do that, I actually got contacted by someone, thank you for getting in contact, who said, hey, I tried to look up the website and it's not up yet. No, it isn't actually up yet. As of uh, February 2022, we are about a week away from launching. There are so I've kept writing whilst we've been developing the website. So there's about eight articles that need to go up before that launch. But if you have gone to access philipwatkins.health and have tried to sign up, one, I'm very grateful for you doing that. But also, uh, just be patient. We are not far from launching there. Now, uh, you'll be able to see the transcript through the show as well as the um, references that I've used to create this episode if you are interested in our reference count, which uh, seems to be just a common thing that I'm doing with every episode. There were 19 references used for this one and uh, some weird ones from 1990 and 1994 um, and they're all there for you to access if you want to. So look... Your reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify help me get the word on the street. If you're listening to this on YouTube, throw the video a like and subscribe to see when each new podcast is uploaded. You can obviously put questions and comments there as well. The uh, state of play in Hong Kong is getting pretty crazy. A lot of my listeners are in Hong Kong. So look, a little message. Please just keep your head up. Take some deep breaths. Look after the people you love and it'll all be over soon. If you're one of the people that have already experienced all of the intensity 
that the pandemic has brought and you're coming out the other end, take some deep breaths as well. Hey, breathe in that sunshine and hopefully we'll all be together in a more global sense very, very soon. I will see you next week. Thanks for getting this far on Free and Inspired Radio. And I look forward to joining you next week for more Brain Gut Solutions. Bye. Oh my gosh, you made it to the end. This show is all about you, and we hope you finished this episode feeling one step closer to feeling free and inspired. We'll be back next week, but if you want to know more about Philip, please catch a digital flight to www.philipwatkins.health for further details about how we might be able to help. In the meantime, have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, and we'll see you for another episode next week.